A new Quinnipiac University poll shows President Joe Biden with a small lead over former President Donald J. Trump. Now that lead is 49% to 45%. According to the poll, more voters think Trump has the physical and mental fitness to be president, but more voters think Biden is ethical, cares about the average American, and has the personality and temperament to be the president. And President Biden had some other good news today. He announced the cancellation of an additional $1.2 billion in student loan debt for about 153,000 borrowers. Now, this is his latest effort at student loan debt relief after the Supreme Court blocked a more sprawling plan last year. Biden has now canceled $138 billion of student loan debt for almost 3.9 million borrowers through about two dozen executive actions. Now, this action came today as Democrats have been pleading for Joe Biden to highlight his success in relieving debt to galvanize crucial constituencies, including young voters and Black borrowers, who we know are disproportionately shouldering student loan debt. And in other news today, faced with a surge of migrant families at the U.S.-Mexican border in 2018 and 2019, Donald Trump's White House discussed ways to move aggressively to deploy the resources and the might of the U.S. military. Aides and officials spoke privately about detaining migrants on military bases and flying them out of the U.S. on military planes. Now, these were ideas that the Pentagon headed off. Throughout his presidency, according to his aide, Trump would frequently demand to send troops to the border to catch people crossing. According to his aides, he was also obsessed with having the military involved and using the might of the military to, as he called it, contain the border. And throughout Alabama today, there is widespread shock anger and confusion over how to proceed after the state Supreme Court ruled on Friday that frozen embryos, yes, embryos are people. Now, this is a far-reaching decision that could upend women's reproductive health care in a state that already has one of the nation's strictest abortion laws. Now, the state Supreme Court in Alabama signals, this decision, of course, signals a new chapter in America's fight over reproductive rights and marks yet another blow to women's rights groups that expect similar challenges in other conservative states. And it didn't take long before former UN ambassador and presidential candidate uh, on the Republican side, Nikki Haley, to jump on the bandwagon. She said today that frozen embryos are babies. Embryos, she said, created through in vitro fertilization are in her book, Babies siding with the Alabama Supreme Court decision. Now, Haley said this during an interview, adding that she used artificial insemination to have her son, a different process than uh, in vitro fertilization, that she says doesn't present the same complexities around creating embryos in a lab. She went on to say, when you talk about an embryo, you are talking about to me, that's a life. And I do see where that's coming from when they talk about that. Now, unused embryos are often destroyed, which could open families or clinics up to wrongful death lawsuits and criminal murder charges under this new policy. Hmm, storing frozen embryos, meanwhile, is 
expensive and often reserved for those who are wealthy or at least affluent. And from Congress down to the state level, the institutional Republican Party is riven with an overwhelming number of deep divides. What's happening inside the GOP is a debate over the soul of the party, over the definition of conservative and Republican. And some Republicans warn that this divide could cause them to lose both the White House, Senate seats, and congressional seats in this year's very, very pivotal election. This is Ariva Martin in real time, and I'm your host, Ariva Martin. This is your one-stop destination for today's trending news, expert analysis, and my unfiltered opinions. This is hour two of Ariva Martin in real time, and this is the hour when we go deep, where we dig behind the headlines and we bring you those stories that people are talking about. So since today there was this poll out that Biden's uh, numbers are up uh, and that he has a lead over Joe Biden, I thought we'd talk about something that's been in the news a lot, and that is how Black men are thinking about this election. You've heard folks, everyone from Charlemagne the God to Killer Mike to other uh, entertainers and folks with big platforms talk about how Joe Biden is not connecting with Black voters, particularly Black men, and some even suggesting that Black folks should give Donald Trump a real look because he's, I don't know, somehow connecting with Black folks, that he's real, that he's pure, uh, and that their lives were somehow better under a Trump administration. Now, I don't know who these Black men are uh, other than those few voices that we've heard, but it is worth investigating. There was a Washington Post article out today that talked about Black voters in the state of Michigan. Uh, Michigan, as we know, is a very critical state for the Democratic Party. There's lots of conversations, too, that Muslim voters and pro-Palestinian voters in Michigan are very, very upset with the party, uh, that they want to see the Biden administration take a different approach to the Israel-Hamas war, and that as a result, that might cause uh, people of color, Muslims, to sit out this election. So we're going to talk in this hour to a voting uh, organizer, grassroots organizer, uh, his name is Norman Clement. He's the founder of Detroit Change Initiative, and he's launched uh, his uh, out of his kitchen in 2017. That's an organization he launched out of his kitchen that focuses on voter registration and engagement. He's a husband and he's a father, and he has his finger on the pulse of how Black male voters in particular in a key state like Michigan are thinking about this election. Now, in that Washington Post article, some Black men say they don't really know if Biden is their guy. They voted for Biden in the last election, but they're not really connecting with him uh, in this election. And they say they may just sit it out because they feel like uh, the Democratic Party has not made good on a lot of promises made to them. So we're going to get into this conversation with Norman, uh, because this is a really big issue. We hear this every time there's an election. We hear that Black men are disgruntled with the Republican, I mean, with the Democratic Party. And we're going to see these huge numbers voting for Republicans. Now, the reality is that never comes to pass. Democrats are pretty uh, consistent in their voting. And it's Democratic up and down the ticket, not just for uh, the president. So when we come forward and get Norman Clement's take on what black male voters, particularly in Michigan, 
are thinking about this election. Stay with us. KBLA Talk 1580. She's the real deal. In real time. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. There's no time like the present. Let's get back to more of Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. We are back. And joining me in this segment is Norman Clement. He is the founder of Detroit Change Initiative. This is an initiative that he got launched out of his kitchen in 2017. He focuses on voter registration and engagement. Uh, he's also a husband and a proud father. Glad to have you with us, Norman. And also my good friend Rosebud came on. Good to see you, my friend. This is Daniel Rosebud. He's a principal consultant at Project Moguls. He is a passionate about social entrepreneurship and youth empowerment. And he is uh, the director at Georgia Reconnecting Youth Inc. And this is a organization in Georgia that's providing leadership opportunities throughout Atlanta. He's been also very involved in voter registration and focuses on younger voters because we know young voters are key. So glad to have both of you in this conversation. Let's start with you, Norman. You are in Detroit. And Michigan is a key state for Democrats. And we have heard a whole lot coming out of uh, Michigan about how voters are feeling. Uh, and we know particularly there's this issue going on with Muslim voters and those voters that consider themselves pro-Palestinian who are upset with the Biden-Harris administration over how they are handling the crisis that's happening uh, in Israel. So talk to us about, you know, what you're hearing on the street about black male voters in particular. Thank you again for having me. So what we're hearing on the street, we do a series of brotherhood brunches with several organizations every Sunday. We've been doing this for the past two years. Uh, we're hearing that from black men, they've been pushed out as far as some liberal spaces. Uh, they've been pushed out of not being talked to. And so you had a whole year, 2023, of lack of outreach from those spaces. Uh, folks are usually coming in. And what happened, and also divestment into small nonprofits that do the work in those organizations. So you left a, uh, a outreach sphere to the YouTube channels, to the Red Pill community, to those guys that he man women haters. And so those guys go on the TV on those fields and listen to that mess over and over again, talking, selling little bits of how they should feel. Promoting patriarchy and also a little bit truth here. Wait, wait, bit I'm sorry. Help me out, Norman. Who are these people you're talking about? I'm talking about like the Andrew Tate. I'm talking about these blog talks here. Uh, before it was Kevin Samuels and stuff like that. And so they listen to that. And also, you never know the situation was going on at home. Uh, I understand that 2020, there was a high rate of divorce. And what happens is those men get outreached, they're frustrated, and they listen to those talking points and understanding those talking points are MAGA talking points. And so they listen to those- Hold on, Norman. The reason I stopped you, because you sound like my daughter who who's out in the dating world saying the same thing you're saying about these guys who she goes <laughs> on dates with who are listening to these very disgruntled men, because they're not just disgruntled about voting in the country. They have developed these very negative attitudes about women and dating. So- She's, I'm going to tell her what you said. She's going to be uh, interested to hear your take on these guys, too. Yeah, and so what happens is that those, that's, that space or that, that lack of information or, Richard, I call it mind control or mind manipulation or cultural, I mean, 
CME, as they call it, is a book called Dark Psychology, reads about manipulation of mind control. And that's what's going on today from Donald Trump to these influencers. They've been paid actors. So they put that false information out there. So these black men come to our spaces, tell these truths because they're dissatisfied, but no one's talking to them. They're not getting promoted at work or any situations that at home. So guess what? I'm going to listen to Donald Trump and see what they're going to say, see what happens. When we talk to our brothers and give them the actual factual information of what's going on, look inward, then next thing you know, we're saying, okay, well, Norm, I'm still not being talked to. Now, this is something that's happened every day, but we also got to pay respects to that the outreach has to continue out there. It needs to be large funding investment to small nonprofit groups. Because remember, in 2020, we were promised all the new change of the uh, all the liberation start. We're going to start doing more foundation work. We're going to start doing outreach work. 2020 and 2021, that was happening. 2022, it happened a little bit. 2023, most of these large nonprofits that were supposed to outreach allocate funds to the ground game work that did not happen. And so you left a space of folks that could come in, interfere, misinformation out there. And that's what happened. Now we're here doing the cleanup, talking to our brothers, what's going on. And now everyone wonders why what's happening. Because you did not invest to keep the ground game going and invest in the work that you were doing. And something we look at the other side from the Republican side, what they do, no matter what, they're going to invest in misinformation continually yeah. all the time. And we don't do that on our side with the right to vote. So what we've been doing is doing outreach work, talking to our black men about the importance of voting. Also, we've been doing clerk recruitment. We understand that in Michigan, our average clerk workers a little bit in their 60s, 50s, and the great women and great men have done that work. But it's also time to talk to these 16, 17, 18-year-olds who could work at the clerk's office, understand about the work about voting, Understand that, hey, we need you for this help, but also you can get paid for the services that you're doing. And so they understand the education, they understand working at the clerk's office, and that creates your forever voter. That creates your educated voter to understand the process. I'm telling everybody from Georgia to Wisconsin, hey, follow this same model, especially in the Black community. Let's get these young kids out of working at the clerk's office because and, and also youth disease, they're the best workers I ever had for canvassing outreach. And wow. uh, yep. And so uh, no, I it, love that. I love that. Get these kids because the reality is not all kids are growing up in households where their parents are civically engaged and having conversations about voting and elections. So they may not be learning that in their homes, but it doesn't mean they can't learn it. Doesn't mean that the rest of us in the community doesn't have a responsibility to make sure we're getting those kids and putting them in those environments uh, where they can get that information. Let me hear from you, Rosebud. What's happening? What are you hearing on the streets of Atlanta? Again, you know, we had a lot of success in Georgia. The last election got those two Democratic senators uh, elected. Yes. How are people feeling in Georgia going into the election? Well, I think generally we're waiting for options, right? Um, I don't think people feel very uh, educated on any uh, options outside of Biden and then this possible Trump um, situation, I think what's polarizing here right now around our presidential candidates or the potential ones are, are court cases. Um, I think that people have become a little bit of, you know, detached from the national elections and they're really focused more so on local elections. They, you know, young people 
jumped into the Obama race when they thought it was vote or die. And people also kind of repeated that same function when they were trying to get Trump in and out of the White House. Um, it, it was that same type of sensation, that same type of we're either making history or we're saving lives by making a, a voting choice. And this race doesn't seem as sensational for a lot of young people. And they feel more so inclined to really focus on local. I want to say, too, I'm working with CLASS, the Center for Law and Social Policy in D.C., and they have a youth think tank um, around youth policy called New Deal for Youth. Uh, they're focusing really heavy on advocating for all issues that impact young adults' lives and really mobilizing young adults to get to the polls. But then they're focusing on workforce development. Um, they're focusing on issues or, or spaces that really can advance the permanency for young adults. So I think, too, when we're, when we're seeing young adults, they're either looking for platforms where they can affect policy and legislation and they're joining groups like New Deal for Youth, or they're looking very locally to support um, changing their court systems or um, voting in mayors. But, you know, when we talk about this election, people want to be educated. We don't, you know, out of the people that have come forward to run for president, they've also quickly fallen off. And we're, again, left with the two primary people, Biden and Trump. Uh, the idea of Trump, uh, or rather Biden's uh, health kind of declining, makes people feel, you know... Wait a minute, wait a minute Rose, but... <laughs> why do people think Biden's health is declining? <laughs> I mean, I think... <laughs> I, I will say that the, the the rhetoric around it, the, the conversation around... The disinformation, uh, let's call it what is... Okay, disinformation. is in bad health. Disinformation, dis, dis let's, let's call it what it is, right? Um... There's a narrative when we look at look, when we look at Biden as a candidate, people are telling us to be less hopeful because even if he wins, then he may not last there. Right. And then we get into all the conspiracy around will Kamala take office or is it that we're going to prop up Michelle Obama to even take office? Right. Um, they're saying that we want to we want to keep a strong, a strong female uh, stance in that space if we get to have it. And and. In that section of an idea, you know, people feel like, oh, this can be just as historic as every other Trump or Obama race. And we can, you know, start to look at it. But but those are just speculations. Well, you know right? what, uh, Rosebud, as much as I hate conspiracy theories, if you're telling us that young voters are believing that Biden is going to die and that Michelle Obama, who everybody <laughs> loves, may become the president. And that's going to get them out to the polls. I don't know about you, Norman, but I'm going to go with that because I had never heard go that, with that before. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. I heard or otherwise, they're, they're wrapped up into the Trump cases and they don't even really, some people think he will beat it and he still will be able to run. But others are like, no, he's going to jail and we don't even have to worry about him. So it's going to really just be a one person race. And it turns back into conspiracy. Um, but again, we're not educated on all the options that are there. People are really more so focused on local elections. I'm glad to hear that, though, Rose, but I'm really glad to platforms. hear that young voters are focused on local elections. That's good news because yeah. all politics are local. And we do need yeah. young people voting for their district attorney, for their county clerk, uh, for their local council members in school board races. I mean, that is really, really important. And these state yeah. uh, legislatures, because we know so much of the damage that's been done around women's reproductive rights after the overturning of Roe v. Wade is because 
of these, uh, you know, very conservative Republican state legislatures. So I am encouraged to hear that. But Norma, let's talk about this disinformation. Uh, you said it earlier that the Republicans, you know, they just feed that beast. They feed that beast. They keep that disinformation going. You guys have, you know, given me some insights into a new theory. The theory that I've been hearing is that at the elect that the convention in August that the uh, delegates are not going to vote for Biden, but they're going to vote for Gavin Newsom, who's the governor of the state of California, where I am, and that Gavin Newsom is going to become the Democratic nominee. Uh, and we know that is not happening. Michelle Obama is not president. <laughs> That's not happening. Uh, Kamala Harris could become the president, but given the health of Trump and Biden, Trump is much more likely by most indicators to kick the can before Biden. Uh, Biden has a healthy diet. He works out regularly. He has some of the best health care professionals in the world surrounding him. <laughs> Donald Trump, on the other hand, eats McDonald's, drinks Cokes and rides around on a golf cart and never, ever exercises uh, and has the stress of criminal prosecutions. And I don't care who you are, don't nobody want to be prosecuted by a state DA or by the feds. And he's being prosecuted by both. And he now owes half a billion dollars uh, in civil judgments. And again, he tries to make this look like this ain't nothing. But trust me, as a lawyer for 20 years, this is a real big deal. And that's the kind of stress that will take somebody out of here. Uh, when we come forward, I talk more about what black men uh, voters are thinking from Michigan to Georgia. Stay with us. KBLA Talk 1580. Ariva time is the right time. More of Ariva Martin in real time when we come forward. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. We are back and in this hour, we're talking about black male voters and what they're thinking about the election and particularly about voting for Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. And joining me is Norman Clement. He is a voting uh, organizer and educator in Detroit, Michigan. And my good friend Daniel Rosebud is here. He's uh, been with me many times talking about youth voters, particularly black youth voters. He's in Atlanta in office and who recently endorsed the former president on the podcast Drink Champs. And in August, rapper YG famously wrote, who famously wrote the song F Donald Trump, said on a podcast that the black community forgave Trump after he rolled out the 2020 Paycheck Protection Program intended to help small businesses during the pandemic. The former president said he was passing out money. So, you know, one thing, Norman, I know your head falls, mine is rolling. Whenever white media, conservative media, corporate media wants to talk about black voters, they always go to these rappers. They always go to the entertainers. Now, I don't ever see them trotting out Eminem or Justin Bieber or any white entertainer to speak for how white voters or how white youth are thinking about the election. But somehow for our community, they don't go talk to you know organizers like you. You know, you're quoted in this article, but you'll get my point. They like to hold up, you know, Kodak Black and, and YG. Ask, you know, somebody over 40 who either of these people are. They're gonna say, who what? So 
why, why does that, why, you know, why are we allowing the narrative about how we are thinking about anything to be controlled by some rappers who want misinformation is just flat out wrong. So this notion that somehow Donald Trump gave the black community anything during the pandemic is just fallacious. You know, how do we counter that narrative? Because it drives me crazy. Yeah, that one also really upsets me because number one, in the past where we had our great leaders, Jim Brown, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, our celebrities then, they didn't, they were, their job was really to fund those civil rights movements, support, support the lawyer organization, support people to get out of jail, and they let the policy handlers, those who know the policy, to handle policy. Unfortunately, our brothers and sisters who are in entertainment don't follow those same steps. And it's kind of reprehensible because you're saying endorse somebody that, number one, the first six days in office, there was a Muslim ban. Also, he also did to understand during the pandemic, people forget a lot of black businesses were not able to get the EDIL loans or the PPP loans because they were denied because of racism or the policies of the former SBA chief. They don't talk about that. Also understand Nancy Pelosi pushed the checks, not Donald Trump because they didn't him and Mitch McConnell did not want to sign the checks. The Democrats under the House pushed those checks. So there's the misinformation that's going on there. And, and so then, well, also, let's also add to that, Norman, when Biden and Harris got in office, we got another check. Actually, so you got more than another. what Biden and Harris did think, for right. those folks who were suffering because of the pandemic. You got more than one check. Some people got intimate uh, uh, income where they got $500 to $1,200 every month. And folks, are, uh, amnesia is an amazing thing. So but the what the Harris campaign has to do is number one, I always feel that they probably need to change from K Street to hire black or brown legislators or black or brown community organizers and also message pieces, change the diversity of those firms and really give those dollars to those folks who can speak to our organizations and give out those facts. Number two, I also like to have other media challenge those black men who are supporting Trump, uh famous supporting Trump, because remember, ask them this. For reproductive freedom and reproductive health that we're fighting for right now, black women die at the highest rate proportion. And right now, this man's talking about a, a six-week six abortion ban. And so we, we're going to put somebody in office that doesn't support our way of support us, don't even support our black women. So how are we going to build a nation? And it's really selfish of them that who do not do the work. Not just, I'm not talking about giving money. I'm talking about the day-to-day -day work that folks do on the ground. And so I always push back on narratives of entertainers because number one, they're not the leaders on the field. They're not the leaders out there every day. And I really, that really, I really want people to understand that it is, it is a racist tactic because, you know, people always think folks in show business know everything. So we're going to talk to them. And two, it, it is very, very disheartening, but also is a messaging messenger out there to say, hey, this is happening, this is happening. It's a form of mind control. It's how people get control. It's how people get the rhetoric, and they think that all the time. And so we have and, to do a better job getting the message out there. And we know what they think about these rappers on the real, right? Yeah. We know that they are not asking them about anything else other than to get them to make a, a statement in support of Donald Trump or to, you know, parrot some Republican talking point. They don't think they're, you know, smart enough 
intelligent enough or worthy to really be at the table and to have any kind of, you know, meaningful input. Because yes, if that it, was the case, we saw what Donald Trump's cabinet looked like. Where were these rappers? Where were these black entertainers? They weren't in his cabinet. They, no, they weren't, you know, appointed by him to do anything. If, if he, you know, if there's such spokespersons for the black community, and let me mention this, Rose, but this disinformation. So one of the women in this article says, if you can send 800 million to Ukraine, you can't tell me you can't facilitate that student loan situation. Well, I'm sorry, person. Joe Biden has canceled billions of dollars in student loans today, 1.2 billion for 153,000 borrowers, bringing the total to 138 billion through 12 executive orders. So your information is just wrong. He has yeah. done everything possible to get around the Republican Congress and yeah. the conservative court that wanted to shut down student loan debt relief. So, Rose, but how do we get people yeah. who somebody read this someplace, something about Ukraine, yeah. some little talking point, and they think yeah. they sound intelligent and yeah. the facts are just wrong. Yeah. It just came across my social media too. Someone saying that Biden, um, Biden fumbled the education play. Um, I didn't really get too much into that part, but I think what's what's happening on both sides, whether it's uh, you know student debt relief or this idea that you know the Trump administration delivered the black people or any minority group anything that they needed, is that the truth is standing in front of fact, and what that means is that. The truth is that you were flush with resources after a pandemic in effort to stimulate the com the, the community um, or the economy. But the facts of how that got there, people are lost on. And it really exists in a space of more education. And so I think the narrative of the pandemic kind of confuses people on really how we got to where we got to and what and what we need. Um, and the fact of student debt, you know, I was going to say this on our, before we went to break the last time, is that's also something that we're focused on. In all ways, young people are looking to get all the resources that their older counterparts had, that all the security, right? And so for us, that looks a little bit different, but we want to make sure that we're, we're, li we're living debt-free when it comes to our education because our ancestors built this country. And we want to make sure that we have access to voting if we decide that we want to vote we don't want to be opposed at the, at the, at you know at the polls we want to be educated and not misinformed we want we want to have outlets that are accessible that that have transparency um so yeah i uh i'm really not sure the idea on why we you know why we think that nothing has been done around student debt but that is a you know that battle has to be fought in multiple ways and, and in continuous space. So yeah, we need some little uh you know cue cards that we all can carry around. So when these people roll out and start, you know, just talking this nonsense, we can just give them the facts. What about this right. one? <laughs> you know, I, I think you're right though, because I was in St. Louis recently and a friend of mine owns a store. And she said during the pandemic, this store was bustling. Everybody had money. They were buying all kinds of stuff. And she said, lately, it's been slow. And I said to her, I said, well, you do know that the black unemployment rate is as low as it has ever been. And so a lot of those people, perhaps, you know, I don't know, they had jobs then or didn't have jobs. That money, though, is not that that was, as you just said, Rose, but to stimulate the economy because of a pandemic. 
Donald Trump is not coming into office to start handing out checks. Republicans have opposed efforts to relieve student loan debt. In fact, you know why in, in large part? Because we as black people are the biggest borrowers. We have the largest amount of debt and they're not trying to do anything, women. Yes, black anything women. that helps black people. And I think that's what really bothers me too, Norman, about this argument is people are really missing the anti-blackness that is embedded in the Republican Party. Ron DeSantis today because Tim Scott's name has been floated as a potential VP for uh, Donald Trump, he said Donald Trump should not be playing identity politics. And he shouldn't be thinking about someone that maybe, you know, can get 10 or 15% of the vote. He's talking about, when you say identity politics, you know who you're talking about. You're talking about us. So Ron DeSantis is telling Donald Trump, don't you dare put a Black man on the ticket for the Republican Party, because that does not reflect who we are as a party. And I don't know how many ways Donald Trump and the party can tell us that they hate black people and that they are all about supporting white supremacy. I don't know how many ways they can tell us that because they keep telling us that each and every day. Uh, when we come forward, I want to talk about this messaging issue that seemingly plagues the Democratic Party and how we break through because we got some work to do for sure. Stay with us, KBLA Talk 1580. She's the real deal. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. There's no time like the present. Let's get back to more of Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. Norman, I'm chuckling at a couple of paragraphs in this Washington Post article. You're in this meeting. They said the meeting, two-hour discussion, you're trying to you know, uh, describe the nuances with the student loan debt. They say the meeting gets uh, boisterous at times. Uh, folks saying they still weren't clear on what they were going to do. Here it gets real funny. Some gave Trump credit for at least not making false promises. He's straightforward. There's nothing else behind him. No ulterior motive. What you see is what you get. I'm not going to read the man's name. Give me that versus someone who's going to lie to me. <laughs> What? He's still, it, it, he lies to you right now. And even Every, when, and are we like over 20,000 lies? The man, judges have adjudicated him as being a liar. A judge in New York adjudicated him as committing fraud. He's a committed, he's been adjudicated as a rapist. Where, where, where would somebody get the information or even the, Miss disinformation to say there's no ulterior motive. In fact, he's told you his motive. He's running for retribution. He wants revenge on Democrats and Republicans who he thinks have wronged him. And he's trying to make his money back because he owes a billion, half a billion dollars out. Where did this nice gentleman, <laughs> help me understand this nice gentleman, because you know him, you were there with him. What did you say when he said that? At least he doesn't tell me lies. And well, Robert was he lies every time because understand the unconscious mind does not lie. Even when he has that segment say, "Black people built this country." Is that okay? He just lied right there. He doesn't believe what he's saying. It's mind control manipulation. So if I say something over and over again, I say you have a problem. Then so oh, then we have a problem. Then it goes to I have a problem. It goes we, you, to I. That means I can fix it. So they buy into it because guess what? 
those folks understand something that most of those people that support him understand their fearing of a darker America, which has always been happening to say it's supposed to happen till 2030. But you do the statistics now is already happened from kids five and under right now. That's the fear. That's why they're pushing uh, these abortion, these non-abortion laws going on right now. It's not about having more black kids. No, they're trying to force their own women to have more kids. And so they have control. They want to go back to, I want to be mediocre and tell black folks and other folks of this country what to do and have my power based on my race because I was comfortable. The world has changed. They don't understand it. So Trump tapped into that psyche I'm going to answer. I'm going to speak to you all the time. I'm going to lie to you. I'm going to rob you blind. I'm going to speak to that. And guess what? Everybody feels that. And some of our brothers who like that, they just want to be there just so I could be a special Negro or be the only Negro in the room so I could be a gatekeeper and be the benefits. Unfortunately, we got people like that. All skin folk and kin folk. That's what's happening. And so we have to understand that for the, as, as a media company, as messaging company, they have to diversify their messaging. You have to get bland, black and brown organizations, groups that speak to that. You have to. You can't use the folks on K Street now. It's a different ball game. You got to be on TikTok. You, if I was them, Biden and Kamala Harris would be on Club Shay Shay, be all on the internet, all over the place, speaking to these folks about the truth of what's happening. That's what you have to do. And be on the street every time. A last point. If you talk to brothers of black men, you engage them 12 months to 10 months before the general election, 10 times out of 10, they'll go out and support you. But you have to engage them every single time. It's about relationships. Black men want relationship with their politicians, their local local elections. They want they, they want engage relationships. You got to build a relationship with me. I can't, three months from then, I can't save you. But if you build it to me now, and that's what's going out now, it's a red flag. Build it with me now, and I will support you in November. No, that's an excellent point about relationships. You're right. People will vote for people that they trust, that they feel like have their best interests at heart. One of the things that happened in this meeting too, Rose, but somebody reminded the folks that Donald Trump is responsible for the Central Park Five. They reminded him of that full-page ad he ran calling for the death penalty for those five teenage boys. One Black man who sits on the city council now for New York uh, but after going through that horrific, you know, ordeal and that racial trauma, and he somebody else goes and reminds him of, you know, of all the stuff that Trump has done that's anti-black. But here's the point: I don't think young people are connecting with Rose, but we got to get them to see this. Trump shut down the Civil Rights Department of the Department of Justice, so that meant black men who were killed by police. He said, we're not investigating these police departments because we are pro-cops. And in fact, I want cops to slam more heads. I want them to be more violent with people on the streets. And when he says people on the streets, it's talking about people that look like you and me. That's a message that I'm not hearing hit hard enough that Black men, I think, could relate to. Kristen Clark. Black woman from Harvard is head of the Civil Rights Division. She is in these police departments in their butts trying to force police departments to change. That's huge. And if we don't march in the streets and say we, you know, marching for Mike Brown and Eric Gardner and Trayvon Martin, we got to make that connection to that Justice Department. That 
civil rights division is gone under Donald Trump. It, the whole department is gone under him because he's going to punish them for prosecuting him. But we can say goodbye to any oversight over rogue cops. Do you think, Rosebud, we can start talking about that to young people who do care about those issues? I do. I, I want to first say, um, I want to say uh, Yusuf Salim's name. Uh, he was one of the Central Park Five that now sits as an, uh, an elected official in New York. And so congratulations to that um, powerful black man. And um, I do. I do think that this is a, a great time to talk about all things that intersect black lives, especially when we talk about overexposure to poverty and trauma over long distance of times. Um, we, we get into really funding things like mental health and the approach to really breaking down um, some of the systemic things and the emotional things that block um, some of our Black communities from health. I want to agree with my other brother on this line too, um, all skin folks and our kin folk, but I think in another way you can say that is that some people truly are believing the lie and they're comfortable in the state where people where Republicans and others, neo-Nazis and and racists have left us. And so they they would rather benefit off of a, a broken system than to try to fix it. And and sadly, that's gonna be an uphill battle for us. But I think that educating people is the way to go. And then um two, just on relationship building, I think to your 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 point earlier. When when they latched on to rappers, that was them aligning themselves to people who we already trusted. And so that counter that counter um, activity has to go on for the Biden administration or anyone that comes into play. They need to really think about how to reach us. Um, is this the correct time to talk about policing? Yes, because that, those are local issues. People are becoming aware of the system and how to um, oppose, you know, elected officials, how to vote in their share, how to vote in their judges and kind of cycle these people out. And so right now is the best time to talk about anything that's, um, that can be affected on the local level. Great points, Rosebud. And I am so grateful to both of you, Rosebud and Norman. Keep doing the great work you're doing. I think we're all in agreement. We just got to keep doing the work. We got to keep talking. We got to keep talking. Uh, and I think if we do that, we're going to be successful. I'd love to have both of you back. Yes. Uh, we are out of time. The next voice that you hear will be Robin Ayers and the Raw Report right here on KBLA Talk 1580. Don't touch that. Thanks, guys.